थैंक यू संतोष फॉर रीडिंग फ्रॉम गॉड्स वर्ड फॉर अस येस्टरडे वेन आई सेंट आउट द सर्मन नोट्स टू द ग्रुप ऑफ ब्रदर्स हु कैंड ऑफ पुट्स दैट टूगेदर वन ऑफ देम रिप्लाइज सेंग वॉट अ को इंसिडेंट्स दैट यू हैव टू स्पीक अबाउट ह्यूमिलिटी ऑन योर मैरिज एनिवर्सरी एंड इट्स इट्स ट्रू दैट मैरिज डज टीचर्स अ लॉट ऑफ थिंग्स एंड इट शेप्स गॉड यूज मैरिज टू शेप आर कैरेक्टर्स इंक्लूडिंग uh the part about uh, humility as well but in today's uh, sermon uh, we are going to focus our attention uh on the person of the lord jesus christ and what we learn from him when it comes to the aspect of humility you know we've been uh we are nearing this uh, bible survey that we are going through uh the whole council of god and we've been looking at key themes in the bible right from creation in genesis and we are just eight sermons two months away from the culmination which happens in revelation our eternal heavenly destination the lord jesus christ promised his disciples that he is going to prepare a place for them and that he will come back to take them where he is so that they also might be with him for eternity but even as the lord is preparing a place for us we see through the bible that god is preparing us for that place as well so god is uh, working on our character god is transforming us shaping our minds shaping our hearts and uh, while there are many areas where we need each of us need change and transformation there is one that is the root of all sin from the time of the fall where we see uh lucifer satan being proud and wanting to take the position of god being proud about his uh, his beauty and who he was to the first humans in the garden of eden who also wanted to be like god we see that at the root of all evil is the sin of pride the bible has a lot to say about pride and about how god views it we see both direct principles as well as examples from the life of people we see principles like uh, in proverbs 6 god hates a proud look we see in proverbs 16 pride goes before a fall in jeremiah 45 we read do not seek great things for yourself and i've just stated a few but as you read through the bible you will see so many principles about how god views pride and those who are proud we also see a lot of examples of people in the bible who were proud and how god dealt with them dealt with them right from like i said lucifer to adam and eve to even cain and then at the tower of babel and then as you read through the kings of judah and israel starting from king saul we see how god and most of them struggled with this uh, issue with this sin of pride and we see how god deals very seriously with each of them in fact while we were going through the book of daniel uh, when we studied about king nebuchadnezzar that's the key thing that we focused on that god opposes the proud so we we see through the bible about how god views pride and how god uh, opposes it or deals with uh, deals with pride but like in all areas the bible does not only present the problem but the bible also tells us 
the solution. Not just the issue of our heart, but how to deal with it as well. So we'd also, uh, a, a couple of years ago, we had also seen uh, about how we can cultivate humility, how we can practice humility, and we'd studied that from 1 Peter chapter 5. But it's so important for us to know that God does not expect us to do anything that He does not do Himself. That is not already His character. In fact, the Bible keeps on telling us that the character that God wants to shape in us is His very own character. Now, isn't that amazing? Isn't that mind-boggling? That what God is expecting from us and what God is doing in us and that He will never give up, He will take it to its completion is to build in us a character like His very own. In Romans 8.29, God says that, uh, or uh, uh, Paul is saying that God has predestined us to be conformed to the likeness of His Son. And every time that we think about that, you know, it, it just, you know, it should give us goosebumps that God's expectation and eventual destiny for us is to be like Him, is to be like Him. And when we look at our lives, we just find ourselves so far away from that, we think it's impossible. But the Bible constantly declares that that is the work that God is doing in our lives. In fact, as the Bible speaks about key character qualities, whether it is about love or holiness, or as we'll see today, humility, constantly goes back to say, be as Christ. Be as Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ said, love one another just as I have loved you. That is the example. Be holy for I am holy. That is the example. And in fact, even about humility, this is what the Lord Jesus Christ said. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. So the Lord Jesus Christ is our best example to learn humility from. And in Philippians 2, which uh, Brother Santosh just read for us, we see that Paul is exhorting the believers at Philippi to be humble and to get along well with each other. And for that, in that context, Paul points them towards Christ's humility. And that we see from uh, verse 5 up to verse 11, which is where we'll focus on, you know, the benchmark of humility for us, the prime example of humility for us, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why Paul starts from verse 5 saying, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Now, while this passage is doctrinally uh, loaded and many books have been written on it, it's again important for us to remember the key reason why Paul is writing this, and that is to instruct believers about a very practical sub subject, which is how do you live with one another? How do you interact with each other? How do you get along with each other? So it applies to how we uh, get along together in a church with, with one another and also within our families, in our homes. Because at the heart of our relational problems is the self. You know, to live in harmony with one another, we must learn to die to self and live humbly for others for the sake of God. And to illustrate that, Paul is putting before us and before the people at Philippi the person of the Lord Jesus Christ as an example of supreme humility. He is 
the most humble person who ever walked on the face of the earth. As we gaze on Christ and on his character, it should shape and mold our character as well. So, so let's keep that context in mind as we look at this passage, right? That it is in the context of a call to humility, in a context of how we have to interact with one another, right? And therefore, I've just titled this section as the humility of God. And that sounds like a, uh, like a contrasting statement, like, like an oxymoron of sorts. Humility and God in common human understanding are not supposed to go together. Yet, Paul, when he starts that section, he draws our attention, he re-emphasizes the fact that the person that I'm talking to you about, believers at Philippi, the person that I'm talking to you about is God. Make no mistake about it that I'm talking about God. So, so, so Paul is showing that Jesus is God and that he went from the highest place in the universe to the lowest place. And many title this passage as the condescension of Christ because Paul details out how Christ descended from one level to another. So we'll see that uh, verse by verse. We'll start from verse 6, right? So the background was, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, which we saw in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Now we'll see from verse 6 onwards. Who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. Or like some versions say, he emptied himself. So Paul is making it very clear in the beginning that this is the person I'm talking about is in very nature God, that Jesus is God himself. And that's the point from where he descends. In fact, um, about two months ago, Brother Raventh preached a sermon on the deity of Christ so that there is absolutely no doubt in anybody's mind, you know, as we read through God's word, that Jesus, his own claims were that he is God, that his actions showed that he is God, and that the people that uh, saw him closely after he ascended, they wrote about him that he is God. And we read that in Apostles' teaching, including the passage that we are looking at. So this movement from heaven to earth is in a sense that emptying. He existed as God, but he refused to cling on to that position. He refused to cling on to all the rights and the honors that came with it. He was willing to give them up. Jesus could have continued to hold on to all those divine privileges of not being subject to rules and realities, pains and limitations that we as humans are limited under. But instead, he emptied himself by taking on our humanity. That was his first step down, his giving up, his emptying himself, his becoming nothing. And he gave up his divine privileges and position, not his divine nature, but he gave up his divine privileges and his position. But what Paul is focusing more on as we go ahead is what Jesus gave it up for. What was his next step in humanity? And he goes on to say in verse 7, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. Taking the very nature of a servant. Jesus did not come down as a king. And that itself would have been very fitting, you know, if God were to uh, incarnate as a king. 
but he came as a servant of all. In fact, the word used there is dulo, which is he came as a slave. You know, after, uh, uh, after that incident where, um, uh, where uh, the mother of James and John comes to the Lord Jesus Christ and speaks to, you know, is trying to kind of, uh, in Hindi we say, do a sifarish, uh, right, that uh, can... Uh, you know, my sons uh, sit at the right and left uh, um, uh, of your throne. After that, Jesus says this to them. Uh, and he explains different things about position and power. And then he says in Matthew chapter 20, Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And we see the Lord Jesus Christ in the upper room before the last meal with his disciples, literally putting on an apron of a slave, kneeling before each of them and performing that act which only a slave would do in, in those days. And that is why you see, you know, the disciples recoil and say, uh, you know, we, uh, we can't let you do this. Uh, but he does it and he says that this is an example for each of us for each of you to follow, he tells his disciples, that you have to do this for one another. Wash each other's feet. Now this whole concept of servant leadership, the corporate world seems to have caught on, right? But sadly, they've just twisted it in a way that, you know, it's just a warped idea of servant leadership. Uh, you know, sometimes coming with a fakeness which, which actually desires glory inside by showcasing an outward sign of humility. But the Lord Jesus Christ took on the very nature of a servant. It was his, in his character. It was not just in his outward actions, but he took on the very character, the form, the nature of a slave. Now, you and I, who are nothing, we want to be something. We want to be seen by people as something. And here is God, who is everything. All glory resides in him, and we see him becoming nothing, reducing himself to nothing. But does he stop there? No, he goes on. We read that he became in human likeness, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He veiled his glory in human likeness. He could have come and there were so many instances where the Lord Jesus Christ could have just, just flashed out his glory and people would have just, uh, you know, immediately... Uh, changed their track of, of how they perceived him. But the Lord did not do that. Uh, Hebrews 2 says, 2.17 says that he was made fully human in every way. He came in flesh and blood. He, uh, he experienced sorrow and pain and hunger and thirst, suffering and even death. So for everyone who was around him, even his disciples till the very end, uh, you know, for, for them, his appearance was that of just a man. At best, they saw him as a great rabbi, but not as God. They understood his claims for divinity, but they refused to accept it, saying instead that he has a demon, that he has lost his mind, that we know his father and mother, we know where, where he comes from. You know, how can he be who he claims to be? And they treat him not just like a man, but as the worst criminal, as the worst of men. And even at that point, does he fight back? No, that, that would have been the point where he could have said that this is enough, you know, this is enough. Do you know who I am? You know, and he could have just called to the angels. We read about that. He could have just called to the angels and the entire world would have been devastated. But just look at the Lord Jesus Christ 
at his trial, being questioned, you know, being mocked. And that humiliation is absolutely unbelievable. And yet what amazes us in the story of, of, of the trial of Jesus is that he never answers a word. Finally, when he admits who he really is, all he says is, you said it. So he just undergoes utter humiliation. They are mocking him. They punch him. They spit on his face. And yet, he doesn't say anything. He accepts all of that. And that's why I just want to rem remind us that this is God that we are talking about. The God of the universe just accepting this degree of humiliation. Oh, what a picture of humility that is. He humbled himself, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, veiled incarnate deity. God in human flesh, covering himself up in a way that his glory doesn't consume those around him. You know, he could have dazzled people with his glory, but he constrained himself in appearance and likeness as man. But then he went lower still. He went lower in complete obedience. It says in verse 8, he humbled himself and became obedient to death. He humbled himself and became obedient to death. You know, a key aspect of being humble is to acknowledge God as Lord, God as the one in control, and to obey as servants. A simple, complete surrender to God's purposes. You know, if, if you, as you read through the gospel, if you try to notice the number of times that Jesus uses words like nothing about himself, you know, that in itself is a beautiful study of the humility of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'll just read out a few. John chapter 5 verse 19. Jesus says, The son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. In chapter 6 verse 38 he says, For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And then in chapter 7 verse 16, My teaching is not my own. It comes from the one who sent me. In chapter 8 verse 50, I am not seeking glory for myself, but there is one who seeks it and he is the judge. And I just read a few, but if you were to just go through uh, maybe a gospel like the gospel of John and just underline the phrases where Jesus speaks about himself as being nothing and as doing everything in obedience to the Father, and it just amazes us that a part of triune Godhead would actually come down in submission to God the Father, in obedience. And it did not matter to the Lord Jesus Christ what people around him said of him or did to him. He was here to do the Father's will. And he did that in complete surrender, in absolute submission and dependence on God's will. Not only did he obey God the Father, but he continued to obey even as the cost of obedience kept on increasing. He didn't say, I will obey only for a certain time until I've had enough and then I'll do it my way. For Christ, is, it was that God the Father, it's your way and all the way till the end. You know, we see Christ's humility begin in Galilee, daily asking God the Father. He would go daily and ask God, you know, what do I teach? Who do I pick to follow me? What do I do? And then he sets his face like flint to Jerusalem. 
and in that garden at that point of no return even through sweat drops like blood we see Christ submitting in obedience to the father and continuing ahead and that's where we see you know the ultimate sign the ultimate convincing proof that the lord jesus christ humbled himself to a point that he abandoned his will completely before god the father even death on a cross now apostle paul here reemphasizes he says became obedient to death and then he says even death on a cross because the death of cross was not uh, like any other of all the kinds of ends that a human can meet this was the most cruel the roman cross it was an emblem of suffering and shame it's one thing to die another to suffer torture but still another to be shamed like this before the public eye as you are tortured to death it would have been amazing enough for eternal god to come to this earth as a mighty king it would have been more amazing that he came as a humble servant but it's just beyond comprehension that he would go to this extent and die this kind of ignoble death uh, for the jew anyone who was hanged on the tree was cursed and for gentiles death by crucifixion was the lowest most despicable form of death imaginable roman citizens were actually exempt from crucifixion uh, the roman poet cicero he says like this far be the very name of a cross not only from the body but even from the thought the eyes the ears of roman citizens that's how horrible it was that the very people who had invented it the romans did not let their own citizens go through it and while most artists they depict christ on the cross wearing a loin cloth uh, that would be out of reverence because history tells us that somebody who was nailed on the cross was actually stripped stark naked and then nailed and hoisted up on the cross is the ultimate in human degradation handing in the sky stark naked before a watching world with nails driven through your hands and feet and there he was the god who created the universe this is our god so paul is saying that jesus went from the heights of heights to the depths of depths and this passage that we read it gives us a glimpse of that condescension of that humility of christ and you and i will never fully understand this will just give us a glimpse because it's only in heaven when we see what he left that we'll perhaps start understanding and maybe it'll be it'll take us the entire eternity to fully understand uh, what it meant for the god of all glory to leave that and to be humiliated and to and to be humble uh, like this but then paul goes on to say that there is a glory that awaits those who humble themselves verse 9 10 and 11 therefore god exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name that at the name of jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that jesus christ is lord to the glory of god the father there is a glory that awaits those who serve in humility and we see that in christ glorified god exalted him 
that glory did not happen here on this earth but in eternity and that's something for us to know as well that the glory that awaits us is not here on this earth it will be in eternity with the lord jesus christ forever and even in that perfect state in heaven when we see in revelation we see that uh, even in that perfect state in that perfect character also we see humility we see the elders the 24 elders take down their crowns with which they have been glorified and laid at the feet of the lord in worship that is what god is preparing us for so question to ask ourselves would be how much do we really display this humility how much do we really display this humility you know when we think about the lack of love the indifference towards others needs the sharp and critical judgment of others that we you know so quickly uh, do of when we think of our temper which shows uh, in the irritation you know that uh, uh, small things can trigger the bitterness uh, that we hold on to all of these have their root in pride and it's one thing to experience a season of great humbling and brokenness but it's another entirely to have a humble and contrite spirit to be clothed in humility and to have the mind of christ and consider ourselves as the servant of all you know it's uh, as we look at applications it's interesting that as we look at applications it's interesting that uh, apostle paul himself starts this passage with uh, um uh, with, with some applications he says in verse 3 do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain vain conceit do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit right do nothing for, for a desire for fame and glory or with vain conceit which is with pride or entitlement an attitude that you know we are better than others so apostle paul is really saying there that in all that you do constantly check your motives he's not saying don't do it he's saying do the things but do it with the right heart attitude so humility doesn't mean avoiding opportunities to serve or avoiding uh, avoiding opportunities to lead but it's taking those on and like christ doing it in the right way in fact um, when uh, apostle peter speaks about eldership uh, in first peter chapter 5 also he says that right he's giving the attitude of humility so he's calling people to serve to lead but to do so with the right attitude next we see is that we should see others as god sees them right um, he goes on to say that um, in humility consider others more significant than yourselves or uh, the way we read it in uh, kjv in king james it says esteem others more we have to take a delight in honoring others above ourselves we read that in romans chapter 12 and verse 10 so humble child of god will view others you know even the weakest and maybe in the eyes of the world the not so worthy a humble man looks at each as from the eyes of god and humble people are able to praise god when others are blessed instead of them you know they are unshaken when others are praised and if they are themselves forgotten self righteousness can be so subtle but so dangerous not just comparing ourselves to others and feeling that oh at least we are better than them and that's the attitude of the of the pharisee looking at the tax collector and a lot of times that's an attitude that can creep in us as well you know of being better than somebody else but apostle paul is saying consider others 
better and more significant and more esteemed than yourself. Honor others and take delight in that, Paul says in Romans chapter 12. Uh, then he goes on to say that each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. He's saying serve each other in love. He says that in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 13 as well. Serve one another in love. So, uh, constantly checking the motives of what we do, seeing others with a view as God sees them, and serving each other in love are three important applications that Paul is uh, saying here. And then finally, he culminates in saying, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. He's saying, gaze upon Christ. Study His character. Look at Him. You know, even as we went through those five steps of uh, the humility of Christ as we saw it, His emptying Himself. We have to take on that attitude. There's a lot that we can learn from that. You know, not to think highly of ourselves, but to empty ourselves and to let God be all for us. You know, every day, to start the day by telling the Lord that, Lord, Today, I don't want it to be about myself, but I want it to be all about you. Taking on servanthood, or like the word used, that of a slave, to be willing to go to that extent to serve one another. And the, whatever little glory that we might think we have, you know, to veil that, to cover that up, not try to uh, you know, show that to others or dazzle others with, with, with who we are, right? but to veil that and to submit in complete obedience before the Lord. Because in obedience, in that submission, we learn humility. And even to the extent of silently enduring when we have to face suffering or humiliation. You know, Apostle Paul, in fact, in Philippians 2, is actually just giving a summary of an expanded view of the Lord Jesus Christ's character that we see in the Gospels. So it will be beautiful you know, uh, application for us to actually read the Gospels from this lens, to try and see what is this character of humility that we can see embodied in the Lord Jesus Christ in the Gospels and to constantly gaze upon Him, to constantly gaze upon Him and on His character and in prayer to ask the Lord, you know, to help us. Uh, which is why we've been called to look to Jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith. It's interesting that the context in which that verse is said is also about the Lord Jesus Christ enduring the cross, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2. May we all gaze upon the Lord Jesus Christ, gaze upon his beauty, gaze upon his character, his humility, and as we do that, the things of the world, you know, our own fleshly nature will start growing dim as we look upon Him. Let's make humility a goal and a desire to pray for, right? And to constantly uh, ask the Lord um, in submission to make us like His Son because that's what He has declared is the destiny that He is preparing us for. But you know, one of the important things that I want to uh, also mention that, you know, Christ's humility can be seen in us only if Christ is in us. You know, just learning about it, uh, hearing about it, 
will not change us. Christ's humility can only be seen in us if Christ is in us. So I do want to uh, ask uh, you know, each of you that does Christ live in you? If you're wondering how to get started, the first step is to come to the Lord in all humility and to admit your sin, to admit your weakness, to admit that God with my own goodness and with my own efforts, I can't really please you. And that's what the Lord Jesus Christ said, that he came not to serve, not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The Lord Jesus Christ voluntarily left this highest position and came down into this world to the lowest place in order to rescue people like you and me from God's judgment. People who did not deserve it, but that's what the Lord Jesus Christ did. And right through the uh, worship service, we kept hearing about that. You know, sinners who were condemned. Those are the kind of people that the Lord Jesus Christ came to save. And so, in an attitude of humility, if you have uh, not really accepted the Lord Jesus Christ in your heart, if you haven't uh, sought forgiveness of your sins, if He is not the Lord of your life, if the answer to this question is that, no, I don't think Christ lives in me, I don't think Christ is the Lord of my life, then in humility, you can do that today. You can come in confession before the Lord and you can start that journey of allowing the Lord Jesus Christ to be the master of your life. Uh, we'll end with a song, uh, The Servant King, and, and this song beautifully captures what we just uh, heard about from the book of Philippians, uh, from chapter 2. And the, and the chorus is that call, right? This is our God, the servant king, and he calls us now to follow him. Not just a one-time confession, not just a one-time you know, emotional uh, reaction, but he calls us to follow him for the rest of our lives, to bring our lives daily as an offering of worship to the servant king. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for pointing us to the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, for every character that you want in us, Lord, you have shown us what that looks like in human flesh. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you, Lord, for the humility of the Lord Jesus Christ that we see in your word. O oh Lord, we pray, O oh Lord, that you would help us to be able to constantly look and gaze upon him looking unto Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Heavenly Father, Lord, Lord, we, uh, we admit, O oh Lord, we so struggle in this, O oh Lord. Heavenly Father, Lord, our self and our pride, Lord, it just keeps rearing up again and again at the smallest of triggers. Heavenly Father, we pray, O oh Lord, that you would help us, Lord, to empty ourselves, Lord, empty ourselves, Lord, and to allow you to be everything allow you to be all and we pray O oh lord that you would help us to uh, lord submit in obedience to you daily and O oh lord we pray lord that you would help us lord to be able to uh, live in a way that honors and pleases you O oh lord we commit ourselves into your hands and we pray O oh lord that uh, Daily, Lord, it would be Christ living in us and through us. We commit uh, this into your hands and we also commit the rest of the service. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen.